This is Peak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Malker Svar. Malker joined from Sweden, and we had a deep discussion involving a wide array of topics, including what's it like in Sweden, where the sun never really rises or never really sets during certain parts of the year. They have drastic seasonal rhythms I had no idea about. He discusses his journey, his health journey, going from having a sugar addiction, experiencing malnourishment via veganism, having a ribeye religious experience, the value of physical challenge, dialing in his habits, having an ethos of optimization and being excited to take on this new challenge, launching a footwear brand from scratch, wide footwear. He's created a new shoe and it's amazing. He's got a deep knowledge, a powerful wisdom, and a really kind heart. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Melker. I hope you do as well. I appreciate you tuning in. Very grateful if you are enjoying Peak Earth and would like to contribute. I came up with a few ideas. One way is to share an episode with someone or out with the world on social media. Another way is to leave a five-star review on the Spotify app or the Apple app. Those are both very helpful for Peak Earth. Lastly, a third idea would be to knit a sweater or learn how to knit a sweater and then make into the stitching something that says Peak Earth is an awesome podcast or you know, maybe the Peak Earth logo and then give that to you know your friends, your family, just keep knitting those sweaters, giving them out for free. Eventually, over time, enough people will be wearing your amazing homemade knit sweaters with the Peak Earth logo and, and promotion on it that it will really contribute in a meaningful way to Peak Earth. So that would be really cool. And all these are obviously optional. I really appreciate you tuning in and listening. Thank you. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Elker. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Doing very well. Glad we we're able to connect. Been looking forward to having this conversation for a while now. And, and right before we started recording, we we're talking about how you haven't seen the the sun for six months. And um, I guess I'd love to learn more about where you are and, and what it's what it's like over there. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I mean, yeah. It's uh, so I'm in uh, I'm on the east coast. I mean, not east coast, uh, but in Stockholm right now, Sweden. And um, yeah, it's really weird. I mean, the climate in Sweden really shifts during the year. So in the summer, we have, you know, sunlight for like 22 hours in the day. And then in the winter, it's completely opposite. So we have sunlight for like four hours in the day. So so in this this type of like six-month period that we're coming out of now, it's very dark, very, you know, uh, short days. Uh, it's good for productivity, but it's it's uh you know it requires a lot of like red light and uh, uh being creative in other ways because um it, it's 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 challenging I'll, I'll say that yeah that is that is an interesting interesting setup it almost reminds me of a, i had a, a friend who lived in alaska once and it was it's wild to think that it is be you know sunny pretty much all the time and people would be out like mowing their lawn at two in the morning like in the sunshine it's just like a whole different world it's, it's crazy how many different climates there are on the on this planet it's uh yeah it, yeah it's insane yeah i mean when i was younger this was probably like eight ten years ago uh i was facetiming with a couple friends i mean not face it was skype back then 
Skyping with uh, some friends uh, in the US and um, we started Skyping really late, like at 10 p.m. or something like that. And the sun was still out, or at least it's very light out. And they were like, how, like, how is it so light out? And I was like, yeah. And then, and then a, an hour or two later, the sun went down a little bit, got dark. And then we were, of course, Skyping for like many hours with a group of friends. And then the sun came up again and they were like, wait, the sun just went down. How is it coming up back up? And I was like, yeah, it's just, it's just Sweden for you. <laughs> how does that, how does it affect like the rhythms of life? Are there unique sort of rituals or, or, or um, practices that you have that the rest of the world maybe wouldn't be familiar with or, or doesn't engage in? Uh, not really. I, I just, I just think it messes up circadian rhythm quite a lot. Uh, I think like in terms of sleep, sleep is much better in the winter. I would say it's quite tough. Uh, you really have to like block out the light during the summer months, uh, mm. to not, to not be, to be able to fall asleep, but also to not be waking up in the, from the morning sun at like two or 3 AM. So, uh, but other than that, I just, I mean, we, we love, we love summer here in Sweden. So we're like longing for it eight, nine months of the year. And then it comes and then it's uh, gone before you know it. But yeah, we love the late summer nights and, um, uh, yeah, we really, we, I mean, we have a deep appreciation for it. Uh, and I think, I think, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the positive things about it. You know, you have, you have these long months of dark winter and then the summer comes and then you, you really appreciate it. I mean, every day is like a gift, right? So I, I, I've, I've never lived in a climate, well, when I was very young, I did, but not that I, not in, um, in a grown age where it's always sunny, like for you in California. Uh, so I don't know how I would react to that if I would like kind of get you know, so used to it that I don't appreciate it. But I, I don't know, but I do think there's something to it that you at least this is how I try to motivate myself to, to, <laughs> to get through it, that I really appreciate it when it does come. Yeah. It is weird being here. I grew up in New Hampshire on the East coast in New England where mm. it was, there's very much pronounced seasons. There's, there's a deep, dark, cold winter. And then the summer is hot and warm and it's very different. And it's like a celebratory thing. Like, yes, summer's finally here. And then coming here, it is almost like the same day every day. And it's very strange the way it changes your perception of time where it, you know, eight years, I've been here seven, eight years now, and it has gone by really fast. And it's almost just been one long season. <laughs> like there are subtle shifts yeah. in the season where it gets like a little bit colder, a little bit more rain. But it, for the most part, it's it's a very odd place to be. It feels like you're in like some sort of climate controlled simulation. I don't, it, it's an interesting <laughs> place, but I, I guess I favor it for now. It, it would maybe be nice to have some more seasonality at, at some point, but it is it is quite a nice little paradise sort of from a climate perspective, the way that it's somewhere just always kind of a perfect temperature. It's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, if you're up to it, we can switch it for two, three years and then we can, uh, <laughs> we can reevaluate. <laughs> you mentioned, you mentioned a few things too, along the way where the circadian rhythm and, and the red light that you're using, I know you're, you're really into biohacking and I guess I'm curious how you, mm -hmm. how you got into that and like, how, how does that play a role in your life? these days yeah so i think uh pretty early when i was like 14 15 or so my family got interest interested in, in health uh it started with like we we ordered a water filter and, and stuff like that small scale uh and i think one of the one of the first things that we did when we got it was that we there was one of those machines where you could like put in 
uh, you could choose the pH value yourself, right? So we put like super acidic and we put some like cherry tomatoes in a, in a glass and then we put the water on it. And then after like 10 minutes, the, the water was yellow, right? From like all the pesticides and stuff. So I think back then is when it really like sparked my interest to get into it more and more. And then of course, um, building on, on, on top of that. And I, you know, I was really a big fan of people who were like raw vegans back then. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. Um, so, and then, yeah, over the years, uh, just an interest that has deepened with, uh, training and diet and yeah, just everything. It was like optimizing lifestyle, but, uh, but not losing touch with, enjoying life as well because i think that's really important that you don't uh, become too dogmatic and too big of an extremist that you don't have any friends or uh, things like that so yeah it's an interesting line between optimizing and orthorexia exactly right and i think i mean i've seen several people who will like say no to social events because it won't be an optimal uh, f uh, there won't be any optimal food for them there or they feel bad about not like declining a drink or whatever and I, I just think that at the end of the day we're humans and we we gotta live and I do the absolute best I can and uh, yeah like like I, I say this example a couple times like I do think me accepting like a, a homemade cake from my grandma I do think that's like a net positive in life except you know, because I think there's so much more to that and that doesn't happen every day. But if it happens even like once a, every couple of months, that's perfect. And I really enjoy that. And that family connection is super, super important for health too, I believe. So I agree. And this is some next level thinking because science isn't really, they haven't really nailed down this sort of thing where I guess you could describe it as the almost the vibration of the food. I guess you know if you're gonna, it's made yeah. with love, right? And the whole situation is is just a, a situation that's really unique and, and nourishing at a soul level. You're not gonna be able to find it in a microscope, but there's something there, something really powerful. Yeah, exactly, and and I think that's something also a very early interest of mine. Speaking about water and stuff, that where we, I, I remember I read this book about this Japanese scientist called Masaru Emoto, and he was talking about how you know, they did experiments like talking to water and looking at it under a microscope and seeing how the the molecules would be different. And um, and I remember thinking like this experiment that when they 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 put one one glass of water in three different rooms and then they spoke really like hateful to one, they spoke really lovingly to one, and then they completely ignored the third. And the the third one that was completely uh, ignored had the the absolute worst. Uh, water molecules so it just sparked a thought in me like okay but humans are 70 percent water there's probably a lot of things going on there like if you speak hateful to someone or if you speak lovingly to someone uh, probably why people who are so bullied or even ignored in school feel so bad maybe there's a physiological effect there i mean i don't know but i i, I think there's so much more to it than we than we just think about it uh think of it at, on on a surface level absolutely i agree there's one way to look at that as woo-woo and sort of out there, but there's certainly quite a bit of truth within that realm of, you know, I don't know, you could right. say there's things like crystals, you know, some people get really too into crystals and I'm not sure, that's like, that's always the scapegoat of like, oh, you're really in the crystal, but like th there's other things 
for example, as you mentioned, the intelligence or the consciousness of water, I guess you could say, and, and the power of emotions and how your your thoughts and your words really have a tangible impact on reality. It's some deep stuff. Right. Yeah. And I think they've done the same thing with experiments now where they they will do different signs to um, uh, water. Like they'll show the middle, middle finger or they'll they'll make like a heart with their hands or whatever. And that also impacts water so it's like it's crazy when you think about it when you just say it but uh in a way yeah it makes sense too everything is a synergy and we life and water and food and sun and everything just works together in a beautiful way yeah I, ideally that's what that's almost like what we have to get back to in, in a sense where we've kind of become fractured from that and disconnected from that harmony of nature and now we're, we're just trying to almost frantically figuring out like how do we get how do we all get back to this because there are some pretty serious problems unfolding and i know here in america it's uh pretty bad in in a lot of ways collectively the obesity rates and, and the disease caused from this disconnection from the disconnection of of nature of food of of water of sunlight and and it's manifesting in a tremendous amount of disease is it like that in in sweden as well or how's how's it just like in your community it's uh it's better than the u.s uh of course i've lived four or five years five years in the u.s so i, I have a good um understanding of how it works there and it's, it's definitely better here but the trends are not that positive <laughs> um and i i mean when i when i lived in the u.s of course i was like I, I went to college i was a tennis player in college and um it's it's very hard to when you're in that type of lifestyle it's hard to control everything with autonomous decisions of like what you eat and everything. And I, I mean, my diet was so incredibly awful when I lived in the U S that like when I, when I came back to Sweden for like summer break or winter break, it was like, okay, so this is real food. You know, it, it was, um, but it, but the bad thing is that it's so addictive too. So I, I totally understand how, how people can fall into that and, I mean, just the fact that like Subway is like the bread is like classified as sh as as candy, right? Because of the sugar content, and, and the chicken is not even chicken; it's like forty percent soy protein or whatever. So everything is just fake in these um, in these uh, fast food chains. So, but again, so so addicting, so delicious in one way you could put it. Uh, so I understand how how it all happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild being on, on this side of it where we're sort of confronted with the momentum of, of decades of progress in the direction of, of profit, essentially, where these changes are just so small over time, right? It's like, oh, let's put a little bit of soy in, let's put a little bit of sugar in, let's let's change the, you know, content of the, the bread just a little bit, we'll add this chemical in. And then all the time it's like more, 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 more. And now you've got something that's a completely new Frankenfood. It's like this monster that is just emerging out of some factory and we're calling it chicken when it's like, I, you know, I guess this is a chicken sandwich, but there, there's like substances that you'd put in yoga mats in here. I was talking to a friend the other day about Lucky Charms and he's going on about these, the chemicals in the Lucky Charms. And it's the kind of stuff you'd find at a Home Depot, like at a, at a you know, a home improvement store. It's all these bizarre sort of chemicals and substances and, and children are just being fed this as if it's just a perfectly fine thing and it's this science experiment and we're 
just gorging on this stuff because for whatever reason, it dazzles our taste buds and, and that signals to our brain that it's like good food, but we're just being hijacked and rewired by these like food terrorists essentially, right? They're just entering into our mouth and hijacking our, our body mind through through our taste buds. And it's an amazing situation to be in because yeah, you, you said Sweden's trending, you know, in that direction now. And it's so difficult to steer that ship because every nation is kind of being confronted with this problem now, this, uh, you know, fake food dilemma where we're all just being led by our tongues in the, in the wrong direction, I guess. Mm, yeah. I mean, I, two points to that. The first thing is that it must be really hard for the average person, right? Because it, it, if, if you have 10 options and all 10 options are terrible, that, that are like easily accessible, then it's not easy. And I think, but it, it goes so much I mean, way beyond food too. I mean, if you just think about what the average person is 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 um, experiment experiencing on a daily basis, it's like you know, let's say ninety ninety five percent of food in the grocery stores are just terrible. You know, we have all the hygiene products, deodorants, soaps, makeups, lotions. We have cleaning products. We have air pollution. We have you know bed sheets that are toxic for us. We have uh, clothing that are toxic for us. We have artificial blue light everywhere. Uh, tap water, shower water. Uh, I mean, and even the people that are trying to do something good and they're like, yeah, I'm Googling some protein powders and they're probably filled with heavy metals and, and all kinds of uh, additives and supplements are mostly trash too. So it's it's really difficult and you have to be really diligent and aware to actually make a difference. Uh, and, and it takes a lot. And I understand that very few people actually have that energy to do that uh it's true yeah especially when you're when you're stuck in that situation you have so much less energy and and then you're unable to like apply that to actually get out of the hole it's such a deep black hole with so much gravity it's a it's a very deep dark sort of uh spiral to, to go down especially because you're also like depressed like the mood is depressed so then you're looking for like a just any way to get out of that you know whether it's alcohol sugar just like, just give me anything. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And uh, I think I, I know I've been been there. Um, I don't know if you've had sort of a, a darker uh, night of the soul, I guess you would say, or, or a, a journey to, to go up to, to where you are today, a place where you're comfortable with your, your health and vitality, or, or if you kind of always had a, a grip on it. Um, what was your, did you have like a, a struggle to, to overcome as, as you were um, mastering the health game? Or, or were you more just like kind of just with it uh most of the time no i i've i've had several struggles i mean i first of all when i lived in the u.s i was extremely addicted to sugar uh, extremely addicted to sugar so i i think and this is not a joke but i think during college the four years in college i probably averaged like one snickers bar every single day i think uh it was like one it was like a night light nightly ritual for me like i just got some snickers bars or you know some like cheddar popcorn or something uh so but then of course uh right after college i tried to go vegan um and that was really bad for me i was uh i had some big consequences i got really skinny i was never muscular in the first place but i got even more skinny um i yeah i developed like some white skin patches my hair was like falling out a little bit and i had just very low energy um it was bad um but i think i was so into the i believed so much in that it was the right thing that i didn't really see it until until later um 
and it was like almost like the, when I stopped it, I, w- I, w- I was been um, I was in uh, Italy for a family trip, and I was like eating you know only pasta and bread for four days because that was the only vegan options that I could find. Uh, and then on the fifth day, I was we were sitting at the uh, by the ocean, and I was like, you know what? Let me order some uh, some fresh caught fish. And everybody was like, "What? What? <laughs> really?" Uh, they didn't really understand. They didn't understand it because they were like, "Okay, he's uh, he's bought into this." But I, it was just something in me that, okay, I need I need some fish here, and that was that was so delicious, and I and I felt that this was something that I needed to continue with. Um, and then it was probably three or four months later when I was going to, and so I was eating fish for this three or four month period um here and there not not always but mostly like plant-based but then i was going to korea for a business trip and then the week before everybody was like oh you you have to try the korean barbecue it's they're famous for it that you know you're gonna love it and these were people that didn't know that i was vegan then or um, vegan pescatarian whatever you want to call it um and i was like whoa like uh what am i gonna do now because of course, like in the meetings, whatever, they're going to want to have some Korean barbecue. And, and this, in hindsight, this almost feels like a calling, like a wake-up call that someone was sending me. Because that same night, I went, I went back to my apartment. I bought this like fat ribeye steak and I cooked it. And this was like the first time eating meat in two and a half years, whatever. But it was as close to a religious experience as you can come uh it was so delicious and it it was like every cell in my body was just like yes thank you like finally you're you (laughs) you listened to your intuition and now we can move forward um so yeah and then i went to korea of course and i had korean barbecue every single day for lunch and sometimes for dinner too so uh it, (laughs) it it was uh and and after that after that is really when i when i really uh uh, you know, I, I started gaining muscle. I felt better, and I, I just switched my life around after that. Beautiful, yeah. Ribeye as religious experience, mm. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was so delicious. Yeah, it's. I think I think we all can resonate that, resonate with that on on some level where we've just you know been hungry or famished and had this beautifully cooked ribeye and it's just nourishing in a, in a deep and, and powerful level. And I I love that the vision of you sitting by the ocean in Italy and, and you'd have an, an instinct to eat some fish. What, what do you think that was that calling that intuition? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the logical part of me is that I was really tired of, of carbs and like pasta and um, bread for like four or five days. Um, but if, if I want to go deeper in it, I think the whole setting of like being there by the ocean, seeing the fishing boats coming back and forth, uh, realizing that there's a deeper connection between myself and the food I eat and uh, that I'm not a terrible person for wanting to have some fish. Um, I think that, I think it's probably more of that and that I, my intuition just said, get some fresh caught white fish here and enjoy it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Have you had other interactions or powerful lessons from your your intuition that that you recall not specific examples maybe but uh, i think it's something with 
over the years that I've really tried to um, try to dial in on and trust my intuition uh, and not be too too logical. Although it has its its time and place. I mean, you can't you can't be do it all the time. Uh, and I think if you if you would only listen to your intuition, you would probably not be very disciplined. So I have I, I try to separate them, and I have very clear disciplined rules that I try to follow. But then. Uh, with like bigger decisions or or other things that I, I really try to hone in on the intuition and, and listen to myself to kind of guide me that way. Nice. Same for you, or it's it's been um, a fascinating tool that I kind of didn't realize what was a, a possibility for me until at some point in my kind of recently, like late, I guess mid to late twenties. I know when I moved here from New Hampshire, there was, there was an intuitive calling to, to move West, to move to Los Angeles, to try and get a job, uh, at like a cool startup company that, so I could live near the beach. And, and I was able to kind of figure that out over time. And, um, I, it happens on a, on a small basis with like, I love creative practice because I feel like creativity and, and intuition are really linked in some interesting ways. Like we use different words from that, but I, I almost see them as the same thing where like in a lot of ways and every moment we're, we're kind of creating the future or at least not, well, not every moment, but I guess you are right. You're taking a breath that's creating oxygen within your cells. And in that like micro moment, we are creating our future, every single, you know, moment of this thing we call life and, and, and the food that you eat, that's creating your future self. So I think there are a lot of in, intuitive moments. If you look at it in a certain way and, and every food decision really can be something that is intuitive in the moment, or, you know, maybe you're following a very specific detailed meal plan, but I've found that being intuitive about it does help me more because I may have, you know, more of a pull towards salmon in that moment, even if I had outlined something like a, a burger on, on the meal plan, for example, as like a, as like a micro example. And it's, I do this in movement practice as well, where if I'm engaging in a practice and I don't want to do another set or another rep, I'll just shift and, and do something else that I think would be more supportive of my, my body mind in that moment it might be a, a yoga move might be like something like a back bend and, and that will help me sort of alleviate a certain pressure it could be something like a bunch of squats and, and I found that just to be just to be helpful and, and joyful I guess you know it just helps my energy kind of flow better as, as opposed to being more rigorous and disciplined about certain things yeah that's interesting I mean I, I saw you uh, wrote something about that the other, other day how you stopped counting reps and I wanted to hear more about that because I I, I feel Intuitively, I feel torn about it uh, because, for example, so I, I love going to the gym uh, and I, let's say I'm doing deadlifts, for example, and I've said, you know, I'm going to do five sets of this. After one set, it's very rarely that I feel like I want to do the next four sets. Like I, and, I, and I feel like if I would allow myself to go there, then I would probably always just do one set. Um, and, and I feel like maybe, maybe it's a difference in personality types uh, also uh, and how different people work. But I think for me, it would be, that would be like working without a target. And if I don't have a target, like that's, that's for me, then I don't know if I don't, if I don't care where I'm going, then it doesn't matter where I end up, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about how you think about that. I'm glad we're talking about this because I'm super fascinated by it. And it's it's amazing to think 
that we can use our, our mind to like redirect our mind almost as if there's like different people in our head, like guiding us in different directions to, to different potential futures. And, and that example that you outlined, like doing, doing the deadlifts, even though something is a struggle and you like, you kind of want to quit from it. I think sometimes that is the right decision, right? Cause if you had pushed harder to maintain that discipline, to maintain that, you know, attack the goal, then an injury can result of that. I know, I know I've experienced that on like a micro level with like a workout session, but at the same time, it can also lead you to greater gains and, and, you know, overcoming your, your previous limitations. So there's, there's that tricky balance there. I think it's, it's also interesting to maybe contemplate like overall direct, it's like very, it's very difficult to perceive the overall direction of life where it's like, I want to, you know, deadlift 500 pounds, for example, or like, I want to have a certain amount of muscle mass, but then you could go deeper and be like, well, why, why do I want that? Is that like really what I want? Or is that, you know, is culture driving me to want to be like big and muscular and, you know, like a superhero in the movies. And it's just, it's amazing to think. So, so there's like these different layers to it. And then I've always just been kind of confused, I guess, in a way. And I think a lot of this does come to personality type, like you mentioned, but th there's always been this lack, this lack of sort of deep clarity or understanding. And I, I've found a lot of simplicity and just ease of just trusting whatever it is that is guiding me kind of in the moment as a, you know, some would say a daemon, I think would be the ancient Greek sort of conceptualization of the inner wisdom, this inner voice. And in a way, I perceive that as God, if you want to call it that, or the source or, you know, just whatever guiding flow that I think there are a lot of religions have different names for it, but I, I've found solace in just tapping into that and allowing it to unfold without my conscious guiding, shaping and molding of it kind of to be what I really want it to be. Yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, I've, I've thought a lot about that uh, regarding like what you actually want to, from it and, and stuff. I, I think for me, I always grew up being very the skinny kid. Um, I, I, I was always a good athlete in terms of tennis, uh, and that was kind of my identity, but I was never like when, when the other guys at school were like, you know, measuring their biceps, I was like hiding in the corner because I knew there wasn't <laughs> anything there for me. Um, so I think a part of it right now is that I want to prove to myself that I can, uh, and also, but I think the bigger thing that I really enjoy that I never enjoyed before is like actually feeling strong. Um, and I do think the physical and the mental is kind of connected there. Um, because I do feel like if I can, if I can feel strong in my body, but also if I can achieve something like, for example, let's say I can achieve to deadlift 500 pounds that, that makes that makes it a lot easier for me to sit at the computer and grind something out because I know I have had that physical achievement that I can lean back on that nobody can take away from me. So I, I, but I, but I agree. I mean, it's like, it, it's hard to really dial down what the actual root cause of it is. Uh, and I don't think, I think it's really unhealthy for it only to be superficial. Uh, but I think uh, I think where I've landed is that for me it's a net positive to to just really feel strong and to to achieve something physical that is really hard that I never thought that I could do. Absolutely, it's such a good feeling, and 
there, touched on a, a couple of really interesting things there. One, one is this connection between body and mind that I'm so fascinated by, where if you're able to do something physically difficult with your body, your mind is then able to exert itself in a similar fashion, where if you're able to lift heavy weight, you'll be able to, you know, lift heavy uh, taxes, I guess you could say, <laughs> or if you're able to run, run a marathon, you're, you're able to sit there and, and grind out whatever kind of spreadsheet work that we have to do as, as you know, modern techno sapiens. But then there's also th this other sort of convergence of, you know, mind, body, heart, and soul, where there's this like really amazing energy that you can put forth when it's like, everything mm -hmm. is aligned, man. I'm just, I'm 100% I'm focused on this because every layer, every part of me is like directed in this direction. And I, I think you're, you're on that path. That I, I can sense it fr from you. And I guess I, I'm curious if you have sort of a a broader sort of vision or goal, something that you are kind of driving towards al along the way. You mean in terms of uh, like physical and uh, mental or? It could be physical, mental, spiritual, um, could be creative, something that you're building in, in, in your career. One of the things that I have been uh, always for many years thinking about is something that I'm annoyed with is that it seems like everyone who is successful within their field like let's say it's um, building a company or their health or building muscle or whatever it is really writing a book like it seems like most people are only good at that thing and then other parts of their life is like lacking for example it's very common for someone who's a, a very good ceo to have bad family life or someone um, uh, who spends all their time in the gym is like lacking in their social life or even in their health because they're only thinking about calories so they're eating anything to to get their macronutrients or whatever uh, so I, one thing that i've been obsessed with is like how can i be pretty good at all of it you know how can i how can i successfully build a company that i'm passionate about that we can talk about later but also like how can i keep my body in the best shape how can i build like systems in place and principles that so that I can be a good family man when that time comes and how can I keep you know readings keeping my mind sharp uh, becoming better spiritually so I think for me it's about because I don't want to be bad at any of these pillars in life so and and I don't I don't I don't have to be 110% at any of them but I'd rather be at like 90% at all of them uh, so that uh, I can feel the most fulfilled and that I'm achieving great things, but still having a great life. That's the way I look at it. That's a beautiful perspective. I guess, I guess that could be some sort of ethos of optimization, where, where you're really looking at your life from, from, a, from a large view and trying to make sure everything is at the highest possible level. Does it feel like a juggling match sometimes where you've got to like put a little bit over here and then you see that this, you know, something else is falling. Like if you invest more in your health and your social life starts going, then you put more in your social life and like your finances go down. So you're just like constantly moving around or do you feel like the systems are sort of dialed in in a way? I think they're probably dialed in to like 50%. And I think this will be, I think this will be a forever work. Honestly, I don't think you'll, you'll ever get there. And I think when I'm like 75, I'm probably going to think uh, think about it the same way still. They're like, okay, I need to put more energy to here or there. But but yeah, I think it's just, for me, it's about the daily habits, building the foundation for the long term. So I don't I don't think too much about uh, having everything perfect at, at, the, at this moment. I, I'd rather think about like, how can the small things that I'm doing now add up to something great uh, in the coming years or decades or... Yeah, it's that's a, a great way 
to look at it. I, I try and do that as, as much as I can as well. Just thinking about building, building a strong foundation so that I can, I can later kind of enjoy that and, and almost reap the rewards in some ways, some things you can kind of just put in motion and then they're just generating momentum where we can like healthy habits are, are a great example where, okay, I'm going to wake up in the morning, get some sunshine, set my circadian rhythm, hydrate yeah. with some minerals, and that's going to get my hydration going. And at night, I'm going to put my blue backers on, and I'm yeah. not going to look at blue light so that I don't disrupt my sleep. And I'm going to try and eat you know as early as possible. And then I'm going to take some magnesium, and I'm going to relax and read or write before bed. And it's like these like healthy habits that can be a foundation of, of a, a rhythm that you've really got your bases covered, the foundation covered, just by adhering to like some simple principles of, of circadian biology in a way where it just feels so good to have that sort of foundation set because then you can play a little around the edges, right? You can, you can veer off and, and still have that foundation where it's like, oh, I'm still going to be pretty much mostly abundantly healthy a majority of the time. And I don't really have to worry about it that much once I get sort of the foundation in place. Yeah, I agree. And I also think like, I often think about that, like, okay, let's 2023, like, let's try to have a great year. And sometimes the foundation for a great year is First of all, having great months, and then it's having great weeks, and then it's having great days, right? And how do you build a great day? Well, I think it's I think it's uh, around very healthy habits, doing fun things that inspire you, and doing challenging things. So if I'm doing, if I have healthy habits, try to do that every day for most of the days, not not definitely not every day in a year. And I try to do some something productive that I'm passionate about. I try to do something challenging, often physical. And I try to do fun things like whatever it is, go go karting or go out for a walk or yeah, whatever. Then it's quite hard to have a bad year uh, at the end of it when you summarize it. So I think, yeah, I think sometimes it's easy to think like, okay, what are all these things I have to achieve this year to get a great year or whatever. But I think it's really about the foundation and focusing on days because they're what makes the weeks and the months and the year. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a great outline great outline for for a, a well life lived focus on having great day month year and then all of a sudden you, you've lived a great life and you can you can feel good about it i am curious now that you mentioned it what, what are some things that you're doing to to challenge yourself whether it's physically or or in any way what, what are some some challenges that you have yeah so i i mean like we said before similar to you i, I try to like wake up uh i i, I t- typically don't get morning sun in the eyes because while well, the sun is not up so uh typically for me it's like a red light right in the morning um to kind of set that circadian rhythm then of course breakfast and all the good habits I try to work out pretty early in the day uh lift something heavy um and then uh yeah i mean a lot of work uh work uh, that is challenging that I, I i try to step out of my comfort zone within work a lot uh, to do things that uh, uh, that maybe I don't feel very excited about, uh, but when I complete them, I feel very fulfilled. I think it was Ray Dalio who said something like, "Whenever he gets stuck in work, he and he feels that feeling of being annoyed, he will immediately shift and say like, oh, 'Oh, I'm excited to take on this challenge now.' You know, and I try to incorporate that." quite a lot and uh i don't know if i'm just fooling myself but it it worked quite well it can make can make really challenging mundane boring tasks actually be quite interesting uh so for example like i used to hate uh doing bookkeeping but now that i have to do it 
I kind of enjoy it and I kind of love to see that it works perfectly, that it, you know, every single scent is like perfectly uh, aligned everywhere. So um, I also think that you have to sometimes press through these like boring things because you never know what's on the other side of it. So um, yeah, does that answer your question? Absolutely. And I love that Ray Dalio quote too, as, as well, or that, that notion that, that you shared the reframing something that comes up as annoying or challenging and, and then telling yourself that you're excited to do it. It really kind of ties back to what we were talking about earlier about the water, yeah. right? Like <laughs> coding yourself. To be- yeah. I probably butchered the quote, but he, uh, I don't, uh, if, if uh, he's listening, he can excuse me. <laughs> Cause I've, I've heard, I've heard a lot of people listen to, to your show. I mean, with the, the um, woolly mammoth burgers or whatever, you know? So I think um, there's some eyes on it. Yeah, just just to share that for for a listener, the um, was speaking about uh, lab made lab made meat and how um, it, it's kind of silly to make to make beef out of lab in a lab, right? Because we have perfectly good cows; they're out there on the pasture, you know, regenerating our soil. It's it's good. Like we need more beef. So if if you're a lab meat creator, why not focus on an extinct animal like like a woolly mammoth, right? It, then all of a sudden, now, now that's a real thing. That's actually <laughs> happening. They're making holy mammoth. That's that's outrageous. I can't even that was believe that's happening. What what is next? Like what are, what are they what are they going to start making next? Yeah, who knows? Hopefully, 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 uh, <laughs> not something that we're forced to eat. At least, yes, yeah. That's that's the hope. We just got to keep keep moving in the right right direction. I think um, I think there's a lot of positive progress on the front of of like true food. I think so too. You know, where we were kind of, maybe we got a little bit darker earlier and, and the way that we look out and see see people su- struggling and, and suffering from the fake food um, crisis, mm. that it, it is a fake food crisis. And, and I am seeing so much more interest in the true food revolution. It's like happening at a grassroots level and I see it growing and that, that's only going to keep growing because there's so much power, there's so much potential there. It's unbelievable. And I know in my life, it, it's been a massive, I'm a completely different person when I'm eating true food versus when I'm eating fake food. And I know you are yeah. as well. Like you, we've, you've shared your story and it's, there's a lot of people who, who are, are going to be going through that transition. There are people going through that transition right now who are turning on, who, who are going to be, you know, emblazoned by, by the, the vitality that they have cursing through their cells from, from the true food. And it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, and it's a, it's kind of a bulletproof uh, protocol as well because if you go from eating all the processed junk and then you get exposed to uh, the real food, it's really hard not to get sold instantly. I think uh, because just the way you wake up feeling energized and how much more energy you have during the day and just clear clear of mind. Uh, so I think even the average person. Because I, I agree with you. I think there's a, a big awakening, for lack of a better word, uh, going on within that that's that sphere. So, uh, and I don't think I don't see it slowing down. So it'll be interesting to see what happens over the coming years. But uh, I'm envisioning a, a bright future. I like to be optimistic about it. Beautiful. Yeah. Same. It's uh, bright brighter days ahead. I, I think, and I know that. Another thing you're working on that I'm, I'm curious to, to learn about is the footwear yeah. company that, that you're starting. Yeah, so it's been in the works for um, several years, um, almost exactly two years to the day. Uh, so I co-founded the company with my brother and uh, got some more owners in since then. 
uh, that are, um, yeah, secret for now, but we'll see if that happens uh, in the future. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, really the, the, the reason why we started it was because it's quite weird that the, the shoe is the only piece of clothing that we as a society like accepts does not fit the perfect anatomy of a foot you know like and we do this every single day we take thousands or millions of steps in something that is not shaped after a foot so instead what we have today is uh feet shaped after modern shoes so and of course there are many many brands out there doing good stuff and we wanted to do something a little bit different uh, which um I think will be visible once we're out in a couple of weeks. Um, and yeah, just um, it's been really, it's been really, honestly, very difficult to make a shoe from scratch, uh, especially during these times when you can't really travel the world as you'd want to in, in, a, in a normal circumstance. But uh, but yeah, um, I think it's madness that most shoes look the way they do. And, and once you make the switch, it's really, I mean, you, you can't go back because it just feels like prison. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of the foundation of why, why we started. Awesome. I was uh, thinking about feet a lot lately, not in like, not in a weird way, just uh, <laughs> <laughs> feet, 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 feet are fascinating. It, when you, uh, when you like really learn, learn about what they, what they are and what they do, there, there's so many muscles and bones and it's such an amazing tool we're, we're these we're heavy beasts like we're large creatures and and we're on two legs and we're able to balance we're able to do a lot on one leg it's incredible and and you've got this this amazing this limb this this system of muscles and nerves this this foot with the five toes that are spread out and you're able to like do all kinds of things with like run and jump and dance and it it's really underplayed and they're just like shoved into these <laughs> shoved in these foot prisons like you said and and just kind of you know slammed around to, to walk just the fact that it's like the root of our bodies so if you mess up the root you're going to mess up the whole body so and it's so complex there's so many you know ligaments and bones and muscles and different stuff going on in the foot that's for the average person would be blown away if they heard a detailed description of what happens only if you take what happens when you take one step I mean, I, 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 so my brother is physiotherapist and also has his own clinic and does, um, he's like foot expert and, and all that stuff. But so he was explaining to me like the 12 steps that happens when you take just one step and I can't reiterate it now, but it's, it's mind blowing with such a perfect creation, how we're so disrespecting that by putting our feet in something that is completely unnatural. And, you know, uh, us in like Western cultures, we, we often will laugh at like African tribes who has these rings on their necks, you know, to make their necks longer. And we'll be like, haha, they're so stupid. What are they doing? But we're, we're doing the exact same thing just for our feet. So it, of course we won't die when we take off the shoes, which they probably will if they take off the rings. So it's not the same like that, but the, the average foot today is so deformed from what it's supposed to look like. You know, the big toe is so misaligned. Uh, I, I've been had, I had to work hard on it and it's still not perfect because of the, you know, doing this stuff over 25 years or whatever, uh, walking in different types of shoes. 
And uh, I think the sad thing is that a lot of people think that it's normal to to have foot pain and to for your f- shoes to feel anything but perfect. Like it, it was mind blowing for me when I learned that a shoe should feel great from s- the first second when you put put it on. You shouldn't have any break in period. If you have any break in period whatsoever, that just means that your foot is actually getting used to the shoe. Uh, the sh- I mean the shape of the shoe, so it should feel good right away. Uh, it shouldn't be any restrictions at all. Um, so yeah, just I, I find it really sad when when you're. So this is part of the mission to help as many people as possible regain their innate function in their feet, which I think that, or I'm convinced that everybody has with a little bit of work and the right shoes. Absolutely, amen. That's going to be an awesome mission, and I, I am aware of of one aspect of the foot or the heel being lifted also generates a lot of back pain and a large majority of, of people are, are experiencing a lot of back pain and it's primarily probably from sitting, but also from walking in what would be called a high heel. Like even, even men are wearing high heels, you know, it's a few inches off the ground. It's not like a stiletto, but it is a high heel and, and that's going to be causing disruptions throughout the entire body mind, pri- primarily in, in the back. It causes a lot of lower, lower back issues, which is, very difficult for the average person to make a connection when because it's like well how does my foot affect my back it's like well it's, it's all the same it's all the same system you know the having the foot at a disrupted angle is going to put more pressure on certain areas of the back and then that's going to cause a disconnection and pain over over time exactly and i mean you can even ask the average person like what happens if you're standing in a downward uh, slope right and they'll be like yeah uh, i mean pressure will pressure will build in my front foot and it's the exact same mechanism uh, if you have if you're if you have a high heel and you're standing in in a downward slope, pressure is going to be on your on your forefoot, and the metatarsals won't be able to relax and work like they're supposed to. And add to that that they're probably crammed together in an unnatural position. Plus that they're probably something called a toe spring, where so you have a high heel and then there's a slope down, and then the the shoe kind of takes a turn back up, which means that your foot is now in a completely unnatural position. Uh, where it's it's really probably wondering what the hell is going on in in the shoe. Uh, so I think it's really interesting how you look at uh, kids. Like they hate wearing socks, they hate wearing uh, shoes. They they just want to take it off all the time. And I think that's really telling how restrictive a lot of those things are. So that's also a, a big part of the mission to help kids uh, get great shoes and also to fix the sock problem. So that's something we're working on now uh, to have. Um, much much better socks nice that don't restrict the feet because that's also a problem a lot of people have uh, better shoes and they choose a, a barefoot shoe or, or whatever but then they still have restrictive socks that pushes the toes together so um yeah it's it's, it's, it's a big problem and and i think uh that's why I'm, I'm i'm very motivated to to help as many people as possible to to, to get over it by the time this this podcast episode comes out likely your, your shoes will be launched if, if it will be in a, a couple of weeks. I'll have a link down below to the to the website so everyone, everyone can check them out firsthand. And I'm curious, the process of, of creating and launching a new shoe, what has been some of the, the biggest like challenge that, you, that you've overcome within like the designing and, and, and launching process? Yeah, so, well, first of all, it's like it's two years. So it's, it's not easy to do. Uh, at least it's not easy to get it right. Uh, 
any anyone could go to any manufacturer and say and take one of the stock shoes and put your logo on it and 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 launch it that's that's not hard to do but what what's hard to do is to create something from scratch uh and to be really uh, diligent about what you want because a lot of these things are very very um very unusual for the people making the different parts of the shoe because you need i mean you need the sole you need an upper you need everything needs to work together in perfect synergy uh, so um you really i think i think one of the hardest parts for us was to get the sole right uh, and that's what took the most amount of time um because we one thing that we did that is probably not so usual within this category is that we wanted to have a, sh a sole that was not ultra thin like um, I'm not gonna name brands but a lot of brands do like a four millimeter sole for example and we wanted to have it a little bit thicker so around three three times thicker but we wanted it to to bend like the other ones do or even bend better um, because I think that's one of the most important parts of of having a shoe that's good for your feet is to have it bend um, perfectly at the big toe, wherever that big toe is. It's not the same for every every person. Uh, so it's it, it's been challenging, you know, to get the materials right there uh, for it to bend properly, for it to work with the machinery that is uh, exist existing in, in different factories, and uh, yeah, just get everything work together. I think has been the the, the biggest challenge. So I've, I've probably had like two hundred headaches over the past two years. Um, but uh, but we're finally there, and uh, I'm happy with the final project, and also already working on next the next uh, product product in development. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a, a big ride coming uh, months and years. Awesome! Really looking forward to to seeing the the launch. Yeah. Oh, I said knees there. Bless All right. you. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> stoked stoked to see the shoes when when they launch. I um, I'm a big fan of optimizing footwear I've, I've had uh you know really enjoyed better better footwear but haven't really felt a perfect fit for for any of them so i'm excited to see what these are like and as you as you look forward to to the future and 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 seeing these it's a two-year creation that you know that's that's a long time to like struggle and strive to to wait for the payout that's you know it's just yeah. like going to the gym and lift, lifting heavy weight where you're like yeah. waiting to see the the payoff so that's you know props to you for that that's that's an amazing you know achievement and that's just just the beginning i guess you know before the the thing is launched and, and out into the world and that's that's exciting um man yeah what what have, what have you thought about looking back on the process that because you're about to launch this, this is like a, a pretty big moment now it's, it's been two years two years in the making two weeks away from launching how, how does it feel that you have come come this far yeah um it's it's a little bit weird because it's been it's been of course my baby and i've been with it every step of the way and it's almost like it's time to release it to the world and let other people uh uh, use it as well uh it's 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 mixed feelings because i'm really happy uh to be able to share it with the world and i'm 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 very eager to get you know customer feedback on it and to make it better and to because uh nothing is ever perfect and we we have done it as good as we can and i think um i'm very humbled to the fact that there's going to be 
things that we can make much better in the next version and the coming models. And um, but I think, yeah, it's it's mixed feelings because it's also, of course, a little bit nerve wracking to get something out of the world like that. And it's a big pet and uh, it's a big investment uh, to make a shoe. And um, yeah, but I think the the feeling of joy and like excitement and um, the fulfillment I get from doing something that I truly believe is like good for other people and to be able to help other people that's uh that overrides pretty much all the other feelings tremendous exciting times we've got spring is yeah. here you're gonna start having some sunshine you've got new shoe company launching out into the world that you've been working on for years and i've really enjoyed connecting with you to learn learn more about your, your philosophy and, and and your perspective it's, it's been fascinating and, and I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it so thank you for for joining me on on this episode and it, is there any sort of final idea or, or sentiment that you'd like to share with, with everyone listening? No, I mean, I just hope uh, if we do ever do this again, that it can be maybe in sunny California and maybe you can uh, whip up some raw ice cream and then you can teach me how to uh, grab uh, a pole and like have my body stick out straight into the air. Maybe that would be nice uh, plan for the future. I think. Absolutely. If you're up for that. <laughs> yes. One, one day, one day that will be a, a wonderful time. Looking forward to it. And then, uh, Really enjoyed, really enjoyed this conversation. Stoked for, stoked for the future one where we can <laughs> enjoy some ice cream and, and do some crazy, crazy stuff at the beach. And uh, man, Valkyrie, it was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much.